You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. You'll notice that according to the text, Jesus went back to Capernaum. And the reason I say he went back to Capernaum is because Jesus being a Galilean uh, was a resident of Capernaum because Capernaum was a very important city in northern Galilee. And if you'll notice when it mentions Capernaum and Jesus arriving there, when it comes to the house, the house is not named, is not said specifically whose house Jesus went into, which if you understand scripture, it suggests that it was Jesus' house. I said it suggests that it was Jesus' house, and I knew I wasn't going to get too many amens when I said that. But the reason I say it suggests that it was his house is because most of the time that Jesus got to a particular house, a city, especially a house, they would say whose house it, it was. And I want to show you that to, to verify what I'm saying or what I believe that it was Jesus' house. Let's go to the book of Luke. The 14th chapter. The book of Luke, the 14th chapter. And consider verse 1. Ready? Luke chapter 14, verse 1. Now it happened as he or Jesus went into the house of, help me, of the who? Notice it names the owners of the house. I said it names the owners of the house. But let's take it further. Let's go to the book of Matthew. And let's consider chapter 8. The book of Matthew chapter 8 and verse 14. Matthew 8 and 14. Ready? And when Jesus had come in to help me, Peter's house. house. Let's go to the 26th chapter of Matthew. The 26th chapter of Matthew, and we'll consider the 6th verse. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of who? The leper. So you'll notice that when it comes to most of the houses that he attended, there would always be 
a name. But then when he goes back to his hometown, no name is mentioned. And again, the, the implication, it was his house. And some of y'all seem surprised that Jesus would have a house. Peter had a house, but you can't see Jesus having no house. And often even some religious folks think that Jesus didn't have a house simply because of what he said that they took out of context. When he talks about how, how the birds of the air have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. As if to say Jesus was homeless, but they take what was said out of context. Not really understanding that, and, and today is not the time for me to explain it to you. Because that's not my assignment, but I, but I needed to mention that. But it's important to understand he was in his home, a Galilee, and there is no mention of whose house he went in, which again implies that it was his house. But some important things we need to understand about Capernaum uh, concerning the name. Because it has a twofold meaning. The first meaning of Capernaum is the field of repentance. And repentance is when you have a change of mind or a change of heart. You decide to do something different that's going to be beneficial for you. And, and that's what we did in receiving salvation from Jesus. We repented or we decided to do something different and we were benefited because of it. Repentance is a good thing. Would you agree? Yes. And, and you repent when you get born again for the first time. But you also have to repent when you find yourself out of the will of God. Why repent? Because the best place to be and the safest place to be is in the will of God. If I'm out of it, I'm going to repent and get back in it. Second meaning of Capernaum, a place of comfort. A place where you can get some help. A place where you can be blessed. And, and isn't it good to know that you can be in a specific place where you can get from God what you need, which is a blessing. Because some places, like it or not, is a place to where you automatically are in the presence of a curse. And can actually receive in that place curse after curse. Some, some of us know what it is to be cursed and to be in the wrong place. And pay for being in the wrong place. 
Oh, you may have to go to back in the day, but you remember when you said, man, I shouldn't even went there. Man, something told me to stay at home. I should just stay at home. Why? You were in a place where you could be cursed, and sadly, you ended up cursed. But on the other hand, ain't it a blessing to be able to come to God's house and receive from him? Exactly what you need. And the Lord turns around and does for you exceeding abundantly above. More than what you were thinking. Has God ever caused help to come your way that was beyond what you were expecting? Let me see by a show of hands. Sometimes God can just lead you to a place. And when you get there, he has something for you you wouldn't even expect. I said he has something for you you would not even expect. Why? He'll do what eyes have not seen. Whisper somebody can't. Nobody but nobody but nobody. Do you like Jesus? And so... He had got back to the house and folk heard that he was in the house. And so the word got around Jesus back at home. He back at the house. And so they just started coming from various locations to the house. And so Seemingly, they came in the house, filled up rooms in the house. And then it was folk that if he had a porch, a porch, they came and they got on the porch, fill up the porch. And if he had a yard, they just fill up the yard. I, I mean, to the point to where they, they were side by side. They were making sure they, they were as close to the house or close to Jesus as they could get. An indication that they wanted something from Jesus. Ooh, I say an indication that they were hungry for the word. And, and I, love, I love the fact that when the text talks about how crowded the place was that, that it immediately says and Jesus preached to them. Jesus seen that they were hungry. He picked up in his spirit that they were ready for the word. How many know when you come to the house you need to be ready for the word? However God want to send it you just need to be ready for the word. And, and just like this morning if he going to send it through a poem you need to be ready for the word. If he gonna send it through song, you need to be ready for the word. If he gonna send it through the MC, be ready for the word. Send it through prayer, be ready for the word. Matter of fact, ask somebody are you ready for the word? Woo! And if some of you been ready, tell somebody I've been ready for the word. I've been ready for the word. When I came in here, I was ready for the word. One thing Jesus said about 
the word in John 17 and 17. Well, two things he said basically about the word in John 17 and 17. He talked about how the word would sanctify because the word is truth. I said the word would sanctify because the word is truth. When God sanctifies you, he, he, he causes you to enter into a state to where your mind is on him. When you talk, you're talking Jesus. And when you do, you're doing according to his word. You're sanctified. And, and, and folk have a problem with folk that are truly sanctified. Because everywhere they go, they're thinking word. They're talking word. And they're doing according to the word. Why is that? Because they have the understanding based upon Matthew 4 and 4 that their lifestyle should be according to the word. You know what Jesus said to the devil? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You have to have a lifestyle of the word. No matter where you go, you have to have the word on your mind so that whatever situation you run into, you will allow the word to deal with it and not yourself. Because the word sanctifies again causes you to be godly but also when you're sanctified it says that and is a part of your life and the anointing does two, two things the anointing destroys things as well as empowers you I said the anointing will destroy some things but it'll also empower you. The anointing will empower you to the point to where you, you will think that you can do what normally you couldn't do. Do you know what I'm talking about? Normally you wouldn't attack this, that, or the other. Normally you wouldn't say you're going to get this, that, or the other. But because God has put in you his word and you believe heaven and earth shall pass but not his word you will start speaking what you're going to have what you're going to do what's going to manifest despite you having nothing materially speaking to back it up how many in here you ever spoke something that was beyond you, but you said it because you were trusting God to do exceeding abundantly above what you could ask or think? And that ain't nothing but the anointing. That ain't nothing but being sanctified. The anointing again will empower you not only to do ministry but to live a life above reproach. The anointing will empower you to do things that normal folks can't do. What was it that caused Samuel to speak a word and that word would actually manifest that he spoke out of his mouth it was nothing but the anointing what was it that caused David to show up on a field where a champion was waiting for him all decked out in his armor but David showed up with nothing but clothes that were probably smelling at the time because he had been working with the sheep but he showed up looking at looking at his opposition or opponent from 
one side to the other side saying out of his mouth by faith or with the anointing the same God that helped me with the bear and with the lion he gonna help me defeat get this this uncircumcised Philistine he gonna help me to deal with my problem he gonna help me to deal with this thing that's bigger than me but it ain't bigger than me because God is on my side Oh, say to your neighbor, you got that same anointing that David had. If you are faith walk. I said you got that same anointing that David had if you are faith walk. No, you ain't got no literal Goliath to deal with. But you do have issues to deal with. You do have problems to deal with. You do have circumstances that are trying to push your back up against the wall. You can't fight it off, naturally speaking. But if you allow the anointing of God to empower your mind, to empower your words, to empower your being, you can deal with anything. Why is that? With God, all say to your neighbor, with God, all things are possible, but you got to believe that, and that's what faith walkers are known for. We are known for believing that God can do anything, save fail. I said, We are known for believing that God can do anything, save fail. And so you have to understand. That the meaning. Of Capernaum. And when you consider it based upon John 17 and 17. It says. It says because. We are receiving truth. Comfort from Jesus. We are yet sanctified. I said, We are yet sanctified and anointed. He empowers us with His truth. And that's what He was doing in Capernaum, He was preaching the Word. He was giving them comfort, making sure also that they were receiving the word. He preached the word. And no doubt folk were receiving. Because again, they were crammed in. You know, some folk, when they see a crowd, they'd be like, man, ain't nowhere to sit. Lord. These folk, <laughs> hey, outside. <laughs> Did you come back tomorrow? He might still be in town tomorrow. You know how some church folk let the rain stop them from coming to church. You going today? No, I ain't going today. My head bothered me a little bit. Yeah, my gout is cutting up today. 
My gout cutting up. And you know I ain't got no more blackberry juice, so I'm just going to chill at the house today. Isn't it amazing the lame excuses we come up with not to come to church? But when we're really going through it and, and, and should stay in the bed, but we know that it's the biggest shopping day of the year. I'm just going to have to press my way. Because they, they got 17 TVs and they're going to let them go for $10 a piece. I'm gonna try, I got to be that. Say to your neighbor, never put anything before God or that which pertains to him. Who created the church? Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And it's going to be so powerful that well, even the gates of Hades, hell or death can't prevail against it. The church is something that God ordained. He spoke into existence. And he's still causing what he spoke to operate according to his written and revealed will. And, and so you probably have folks that came and saw that they couldn't get in and, and this, that, and the other and decided to go on back to the house. But then there were four men that carried a paralytic. A man whose muscles had stopped working. Well, it, the text does not tell us whether it was part of his body or all of his body. But nevertheless, it took four men to carry him. And so when they came to the service, they looked. And according to the text is what they saw. And especially carrying a person on, on a bed. Ain't no crack to get through. And, and, and you know, some folk, they don't care if somebody is on a bed. We ain't, you ain't getting through hell. You should have got here early. And the text does not talk about that, but I, but I can imagine it, everybody at the service was not saved. And some folk ain't going to give up their, their seat. Just like I see some men, I, I don't understand, that won't open up a door for a woman. I, I just don't. Forgive me, brothers. I, I just don't understand that.
you see the woman coming and you just open up the door and just let the door slam. And she... Woman struggling, taking something to the car. You see, Lord, that, she's struggling. Ain't she? Yeah, that means you need to go on over there. But they were helping the man. The the text talks about how they carried him to the service. Does not talk about how far they carried him. But but they had to be men that were on a card and had love for the person that they were carrying. They were Christ-like. You know, Christians should be the most loving folk. If you hadn't learned to love folk you you don't always agree with, you are not truly Christ-like. Can I drop something on you? You ain't going to always agree with your children, your spouse, your best friend. You're going to get mad at your children, but you're still going to love them. As a Christian, you should be that way about all your brothers and sisters. Because one thing about folk, including yourself, or including you and me, you're going to get on somebody's nerve. There you are. I don't care how long you've been married to somebody, you're going to get on that person's nerve and your, that person going to get on your, your nerve. Yeah, we've we been together uh, 50 years. Yeah, we, 50 years. Yeah, and she done got on your nerve more times than you got fingers and toes to count. Yeah, y'all dressed alike. But she got on your nerve last night. That's just real. But, but see, when you understand love, you, you learn to love folk. Get this, that Jesus told you to love. And you love them the way he told you to love them. And, and he was here. Is you going to know my folk or they're they going to love each other. They're going to treat each other the way folks should treat each other. And he knew we were going to get angry. So he had Paul pen, be angry, sin not. And, and, and sometimes when, when the person you live with, your spouse, your child, whoever, says something, you're going to be mad, but you learn how. You, 
You ain't saying nothing. Why? Be angry. Saying nothing. Because the one thing that causes you to sin more so than anything else is your tongue. In that tongue is death and life. They were toting the paralytic and seeing that it wasn't no way to get in. And not one time did they say to their friend, we're going to have to go back to the house because it ain't no way to get you to Jesus. And their mind seemingly was, we brought you here so you would get some help. And we ain't going to leave until you get some help. Brother, we know you're going through it. And we've been praying for you. And we ain't going to quit praying for you until you get your breakthrough. When I get a call, somebody going through something and want me to pray, I don't wait till I go to the prayer club. I pray right then. If, 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 if I get the word that somebody is going through something and they want me to pray, if I'm walking up the steps in my house, I'm praying while I'm walking up the steps. Lord, bless brother so-and-so. He going through something. Bless sister so-and-so. She going through this, that, and the other. Right then. I need to pray because I know I, I know that if I pray for them now, they're going to be helped. I believe in my prayer. I said I believe in my prayer. Do you believe in your prayer? You got to believe in your prayer. Righteous person. Why? The effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. If you don't get it, it ain't my fault. I believe in my prayer. If you're going to agree with me, agree with me right, because I'm, I'm believing. Listen to this. They were determined to help their friend. Despite when they looked, there wasn't no way in. Nothing but faith. They were faith walkers. Jesus later, later identified them as faith walkers. But they were faith walkers because not one time did they start talking down. I, I mean, they, they could have looked and said, hey, let's say the man in, in the chair was named. Rudolph. Rudolph? Oh, man in the bed. Rudolph, we can't get in now. Well, Reginald, what, what you think we need to do? If one of them named was Reginald. Uh, 
And so Reginald said, Ralph, what you think? Ralph said, well, Reginald, <laughs> whatever Rudolph think. You didn't hear nothing like that. They came with a focus, a single-minded intent. And they were dogged about it. You, you know when you're dogged, you're, you're determined to do what needs to be done despite obstacles, situations, or circumstances. Yeah, we're going to get him in that. Yeah, I, 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 I know where we can go, but we, we, we know we, we don't allow what we see. To stop us. And see, that's how you gotta be. See, see, see is not just what goes on with your eyes, it's, it's what you know. Just because you know the report says this, that, and the other, that should not influence you to the point to where you disregard what God has promised. See, a report can change, but not God's word. Not God's promises. Second Corinthians 1 and 20. All of the promises of God in him are. Yes. And amen. You got to stand on what he promised. Despite what you're going through. You got to stand on it. Because you're going to, to go when obstacle says you can't go. That, that's when you're operating in great faith. That's when you're operating in the type of faith that, that causes the impossible to change and become possible. Never allow what you see or know to say it can't be done. Always have large in your being. God has the final say. Whoa, will you ask somebody, do you have it in your being that God has the final say? Do you have it in your mind, even when you're looking at bad, that God has the final say? Somebody in here going through something right now. I, I don't care how hard the battle is. I don't care how rough the storm is raging. You need to have in your being that God has the final say. You need to have in your being he's alpha, he's omega, he's the beginning, he's the ending, he's the one that was, the one that is, and the one that is soon to come. You need to have in your being that God is going to do exactly what he promised. Encourage somebody, God to do what he promised. Encourage somebody what you preach for. God to do what he promised. The brothers had to elevate their mind. Had to think outside the box. Y'all know what? 
they all up against the door. <laughs> but look at that roof. Look at the roof. Look at the roof. We got to take this thing higher. Get this. They're going up higher, which means it's going to take more work. Going to take more determination. We're going we to have to climb a ladder some kind of way or two told this man it's going to take something to get there but with God we can do it they had to take something heavy up a ladder don't think that they just hey let's throw him up there and we'll go up no They had to use their mind. They had to use what God had imputed in them. To find out a way how to get on the roof. See, see, when God gives you word week in and week out, you, you have to take that word, faith walk, and use it to accomplish physical things, work-related things. Use it to deal with emotional situations, financial situations. Don't, don't just... Look at receiving the word as a church thing. It's a life thing. You have to use the word not only spiritually, but physically, mentally, emotionally. In every aspect of your life. And these faith walkers understood. We're going to get him on the roof. Our answer is on the roof. And so they finally made it. To the roof. They made it to that roof. And when they got there, they had to take another step. Well, we're up on the roof. Now, how hard is it going to be for the service over to uncover it? See, some folk may think it's easy to uncover a roof. Let me tell you something it's not easy to uncover a roof. You have to have certain tools to take off a roof. Well, maybe it was like, like a hammock. Or it was straw. and so You have to have some tools to take off a roof. Well, we're going up on the roof, but how, in the, what, what, how are we going to get the roof off? See, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that, that just because you have faith does not mean that things just going to work out for you automatically or instantly without 
you're not putting forth any effort. People of faith understand that your faith has to be worked. We testify about how the church is debt free and the churches that we built are debt free. But do you know that requires work? I don't understand how, how, how pastors just stay busy doing this, that, or the other. Just sing like here. I come here. Look, I got 15 cars. So you didn't know that it's 15. Some of them are just business cars. And I have to see about 15 cars. And see, some folk call themselves fake walkers. You complain about one car. That car, that car. You got one car. One. Try taking care of 15, six trailers. A tractor, tractor, skidster, seven lawnmowers, nine weed eaters, four blowers, 19 houses. I better stop naming all this stuff. You got to put some work with stuff. But you got to do it by faith. Because certain things you, you can't handle just as a normal person. You got to be, you got to handle those things by faith. And, and so they went to the roof, but, but the but the text does not tell us when it came to uncovering it, what all they had to do in order to get it off. But they finally got it off. And the person that really understood what all they had to go through in order to get that man up on the, well, bring that man from wherever they brought him to the service. Get that man on top of that roof, uncover the roof of his house. And then drop the man down through the roof. And of course, if they were faith walkers, once the man did get his healing and Jesus sent him home, the four that were left, they had to put the roof back. A faith walker just ain't going to mess something up and not turn around and fix it. We are people of business. We know God loves everything to be done. How? Decently. And, and so they uncovered the roof. Don't know what type tools they had. But, but then they had another issue. We got to lower this man down to Jesus. We got to just can't get any tight rope. If it took four men to carry one man, we're dealing with a heavy man. 
we dealing with a big man. We, we, we ain't dealing with no. We ain't dealing with no little man. Bro, pal. Ella White. We dealing with a big man, L. Jackson. Six something. Missouri. You know what I'm talking about. So, how are we going to let him down? Because not only do they need good rope, they're going to have to make sure if they're going to let down a big man to, to the ground that, that, that they're either going to have to get some gloves or be willing to allow their hands to get burnt. bloody and they gonna sweat even if it's just a 12 foot drop it's gonna be some sweating in let's, let's get him down now and then the house packed So they're going to have to be real careful because they don't know who they're going to be dealing with as they who going to get upset. So they're going to have to let him down and they're going to have to be talking at the same time. And then Jesus as I get ready to close it he, he notices it and he says Your faith or their faith. He looked at the four. It wasn't even about the person in the bed when he saw him letting him down through the roof. It was about corporate faith. Folk on the same page. Get this. That were not getting the blessing, but were determined to help their brother get the blessing. True faith walkers won't want to see folk blessed. I love to see folk when God blesses them, whether it's something minor or major. I just love to see the smile on folk's face when God blesses them with this, that, or the other. And I like to celebrate with them. And like, and like to help some if God permits getting that blessing. But they let him down. And Jesus, when he saw their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And you always got somebody mad about somebody else getting blessed. Religious folks, especially the Pharisees, the folk in the text. And Jesus had to straighten them. 
And he told the person, take your bed and go on to your house. In my clothes, you need to understand two things that are very important when it comes to what these men did for their friend. And why Jesus identified them as faith walkers. And why he led me to give you the subject, faith walkers will find a way. The thing that's clear in the text to me, and I, and I believe it is to you too, is number one, they did not lean to natural understanding. They seen everybody had, was up against each other and, and they could not naturally, naturally or literally get to Jesus. So they didn't lean to their own understanding. They start allowing what, how God had gifted them mentally to cause them to see beyond the crowd. See beyond their obstacles. And who ever would decide, even in our day and time, the best way through is tearing up the roof. That wasn't nothing but God in my opinion. God had to lead them. What about the roof? How many times God told you to do something and you, you just, that never crossed your mind until the Holy Spirit just dropped it there. They did according to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not unto your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and what he going to do? Direct your path. They had to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But then from a New Testament standpoint. They knew it was a way. They knew it was a way to overcome. What they were facing. Which brings me to 1 Corinthians uh, 10 and 13. When Paul told the church. No temptation has, has overtaken you. But that is such is common to man. But with the temptation, the Lord will also make, get this, a way of escape in order for you to bear it or to be able to deal or handle it. God going to show you a way out so you can deal with it the way you need to deal with it. He showed him a way. But, but it was still... A physical way, but God showed him. Because God is not just a God of the spiritual. He is God of everything. Why? The earth is the and his fullness. The roof. And that's what we have to understand. No matter what you're going through. It's a way to deal with it. It's a way to overcome it. I don't care what it is you're dealing with. It's a way to deal with it, a way to overcome it. And that's what we have to see in the text. That faith walkers will find a way. And I'm done. Let's get a Lord of hand praise.